this is going to be like a rapidly quick episode. Uh, just recapping uh, yesterday's UFC Phoenix card. <clears throat> uh, since the last episode, Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson got booked. I think that's a great fight. A uh, lot to consider in that fight, considering Brunson's coming back off of a loss and Silva hasn't won in a long time. But if, you know, uh, Brunson got knocked out uh, relatively easily in his last fight, and you got to think Anderson Silva could definitely do that. Very interesting fight. Silva's talked about going back to welterweight, which is crazy. The idea that he and Donald Cerrone could match up is stylistically very interesting. Also very interesting because Silva's fought as high as 205 and, and Cerrone's fought as low as 155. Then again, Cerrone also fought Patrick Cote. But there's quite a difference between Silva and Cote just in size. Uh, and he's also talking about fighting Conor McGregor, which ain't ever going to happen. I mean, I suppose if it was going to happen, it would happen at 170, but that is just ridiculous. I can't even fathom the two of them meeting a 45er and a 205er. Like, that's just crazy. Either way, Silver versus Brunson, very interesting fight. <clears throat> uh, coming up February 11th, uh, UFC 208. Will Brooks called out Anthony Pettis for UFC 210. I think that's an excellent, sensible Perfectly good fight for both of those guys. I think they should book that right now. I think that's awesome. But let's get into USC Phoenix. So first fight uh, we talked about on the pre-show was Jocelyn Jones, Lieberger, and Nita Ansaroff. <clears throat> Ansaroff gets a late submission win. Looked good. Uh, they were both on two-fight losing streaks, so this was uh, uh, a big win for her. She's 7-5. and five. Uh, Lieberger falls to six and four, three losses in a row, never won in the UFC. You got to think that she's probably going to go back to Invicta, which is probably the best thing she could do. Uh, Frankie Signs and Augusto Mendez. Uh, I thought it was a good fight. I mean, not the prettiest, um, maybe not even the most skilled, but good fight nonetheless. Um, Frankie Science falls uh, third, third loss in a row, which is kind of rough. Uh, but Mendez looked good. It was one of those fights where one guy would get rocked and the other guy would rock him, and it was it was back and forth. It was crazy. And I think uh, if if that fight was later, we would have seen how crazy the judging was, and maybe <clears throat> we would look at that fight a little bit differently. But yeah, some crazy judging going on in phoenix i think it's because of the new rule changes and for some reason it's got the judges flustered and it doesn't make any sense it's really silly uh john moraga and sergio pettis uh i gotta admit i was all for pettis winning this fight and then like after weigh-ins i was like man i don't know moraga's got hometown he's got his kids there like maybe he's all rejuvenated but i told you so sergio pettis wins uh rather impressively uh, pretty dominant all three rounds. Moraga's now on a three-fight losing streak, which is crazy considering he used to be a contender. Pettis is now on a three-fight win streak. Um, he was supposed to fight Jose Formiga, which is a big fight for him. He still wants that fight uh, come March. I think it makes total sense. I think it's a uh, excellent fight. 
And by far, probably, well, maybe not by far, but definitely the best Sergio has looked in the cage. I mean, he looked comfortable. It looked like he'd um, looked like a very experienced fighter. Even physically looked uh, bigger and stronger, even at 125 than we've seen him in the past at 125 or even 135. So I think he's really coming into his own and could uh, definitely be on his way to contendership. And would pose some interesting problems for for Demetrius Johnson, and and maybe if he continues to evolve the way he has, with another two fights, maybe he actually would be a legitimate threat. I think if they met right now, you know, Demetrius would destroy him like he destroyed everyone else. But um, you know, given another year or so, uh, it could be a, a competitive fight. It'd be one to look forward to for sure. Then we go to Court McGee and Ben Saunders. Uh, this one was kind of a sloppy fight, too. Uh, another one that was somewhat hard to judge. Uh, I really thought McGee probably pulled away with it, but the judges gave it to Ben Saunders, um, who's now 21-7-2. McGee's 18-6. and uh, Not bad. It was kind of rough. To have Ben Saunders on the mic afterwards because he looked like he uh, been punched in the head maybe a few too many times. His eyes were closing at different rates of speed and uh, probably wasn't uh, the best for the sport. But uh, good for him. I'm glad he won. I, I picked him to win. So, you know, if the judges got that one wrong, it ended up being a win for me in some context. Uh, but it was, uh, I think, a rough fight for both guys. Then we go to Joe Lozon and Marcin Held. This was also a good fight. Um, some crazy scrambles and, and and some crazy positions and proved to be a very difficult fight for the judges, and it shouldn't have been. Pretty much everyone, including Joe Lozon, agrees that Marcin Held won the fight, <clears throat> even though he would get these takedowns, he had great double legs and was scoring them every single time, but... He wasn't really doing anything from the top, but he still won the fight. I mean, there's no there's no real debate that he won the fight, but the judges gave it to Lozon by split. One judge gave Held 30-27, and then the other judges gave 29-28 to Lozon. And uh, it doesn't really, I mean, that's just, I don't know, that's a rough one when you have a judge that sees it completely one-sided for one guy and then uh the judges see it two to one for the other guy it really makes you wonder what's going on there but i i I don't know how they screwed this one up because even with the new rule changes i mean i don't know i mean like the rule changes and judging criteria aren't that big of a deal like you know if somebody won a fight or not for the most part. I mean, sometimes there's very competitive fights and you have to really look at like, well, who was more aggressive and who had control and all this sort of stuff. And they, I, I know with the new rule changes, they changed like the, that like effective striking or something like that. It, it's like considered secondary to some other stuff or, or however it was that they did it. They flip flopped it. Maybe aggression is now secondary to something else or whatever. But it's at the end of the day, it's it's a human 
who decides who they thought won the fight. It's all opinion. There's no like actual scoring where you're checking stuff off. So I don't really know what the confusion was there. Um, I was kind of I was afraid that the, introducing these new rule changes and stuff would almost set the sport back a little bit. Like we finally started to get some good ground as far as solid refereeing and solid judging. And then we go ahead and change it. And now I think we're going to see some referee mistakes. We're going to see some crazy judging and it's going to get, it's going to be like before when the people doing the refereeing and the judging didn't even know uh, how to do the sport. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Maybe they'll overturn that one. Although I don't think that happens, but either way, I don't foresee Marcinho held getting cut and, at the very least, you know, we get to see Lozon fight again. Uh, but yeah, I think this was actually Held's best performance in, in the UFC. And I think he's uh, a welcome addition to the UFC roster. Unlike, uh, I don't even remember their names. They had two fighters or, or the one guy from looking for a fight against... Uh, car whatever closer or something and uh man it was just an awful fight i mean this looking for a fight youtube thing that dana white's been doing hasn't produced anyone that should be in the ufc not a single person people say oh no mickey gall no mickey gall has fought nobody he doesn't belong in the ufc yet i don't care what kind of spin you put on the promos and and, oh, we like his personality, and look what he did to CM Punk, and look what he did to say, I don't care. He doesn't belong in the UFC yet. Really, the closest one would be Sage, because at least he has, like, ten fights now. But, I mean, look at how quickly he's dissolved and been exposed for his lack of skills. He got beat by Mickey Gall, who doesn't belong in the UFC and has fought nobodies. Uh, so, that show sucks. That show is a terrible idea, and it really diminishes the quality of the UFC brand. To bring these guys in that are amateurs, even though they're professionals, amateurs uh, in terms of skill on the regional circuit, and they come into the UFC, and then you get these sloppy fights that... Again, probably, if anything, do them more harm than good in terms of damage that they take inside the cage. And the amount of damage you take inside the cage takes years off of your career, which is what we're going to talk about in this main event between BJ Penn and Yair Rodriguez. Been saying this for months that this was not a good matchup for BJ Penn. Been saying it since he got paired up with Lamas. That that was just not gonna. That's not the fight that you that you bring BJ Penn back to. You don't bring him back against Lamas, who at the time was like a top five featherweight. That's a death sentence for anyone. He ended up not fighting Lamas and got rebooked against Rodriguez, who isn't top five. But still, stylistically, total death sentence. Total death sentence. And we saw it coming for months. For months. We knew that this was a crazy mismatch. And they kept trying to like hype it up. Oh, the legend's back. Blah, blah, blah. 
No one ever made a big deal about the fact that he hasn't fought in three years, that he's coming off of, at the time, three losses, but everyone wants to go fucking crazy about Ronda Rousey coming off of one loss and only being gone for one year. They don't say anything about BJ Penn. He gets paired up against this guy. He has no business being in there with. He's coming to 145, which he doesn't have any sort of established ranking at 145. But he's fighting a guy who at the time the UFC had ranked number 10. Why is he fighting a top 10 opponent at featherweight? I know he's coming down. He's a former two-division champion and all sorts of stuff. But why, why didn't we get... BJ Penn against Gray Maynard at 145. Why didn't we get BJ Penn against Ryan Hall at 145? Ryan Hall isn't going to punch BJ's face in. He might submit him, but BJ's not going to take a lot of damage against Ryan Hall, and that would have been a very interesting fight. I don't think Ryan Hall would have submitted BJ Penn at all. I think BJ would have punched Ryan Hall in the face. Uh, Everyone seemed to really like Cole Miller against BJ Penn when that was scheduled briefly because Cole Miller's a veteran just like BJ Penn they're both jiu-jitsu guys they both have good boxing but there's a crazy size difference but like why didn't we revisit that fight where's Dennis Seaver where's Clay Guida where's all these other featherweights that we could have seen him fight and then they pair him up against Rodriguez, and it's not that Rodriguez is this crazy killer, but stylistically, you could see it from a mile away that BJ Penn was going to get destroyed, and he got destroyed. He took shots he didn't need to take, took damage he didn't need to take, and then, of course, after the fight is always the worst part. MMA media is as bad as... as uh, breaking news on Fox News or CNN or any of those other places. You can't even watch it. Because now they're so high on Rodriguez saying that, oh, this means that he's the real deal. He's the real deal because he beat up a 38-year-old BJ Penn who hasn't fought in three years and is coming off of three losses, who's damaged from fighting a killer in Nick Diaz and Roy McDonald and getting destroyed by Frankie Edgar and all these other things. I mean, this is, it's, it's so insane. And so they're, they're hyping up Rodriguez as this superstar. And I guess they need one for Mexico and they need one to, to validate the ultimate fighter and validate the ultimate fighter, Latin America and whatever nonsense. But the bad part is everybody just laying into BJ Penn about how bad he looked, how he he just he looked timid, he looked scared, he just never got started. He's past his prime. He needs to retire. That was sad to see. Like I mean, we're hearing this kind of nonsense from Kenny Florian, who who got destroyed by BJ Penn. So it is what it is. And I'm not saying that BJ Penn shouldn't retire, but. He never really took damage in his career until the Nick Diaz fight and the Roy McDonald fight and now this one. Uh, and so and he he has the skills. I mean, even in this fight, 
He had really accurate strikes, really fast strikes. He didn't have the wrestling to get the fight to the ground, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, his submission skills are all still there. But, you know, everyone calling for his retirement, saying that it's sad. No, what's sad is that the fight got booked in the first place. It's the same exact frustration I had when they booked Mike Pyle and Alex Garcia. And then you got to watch Mike Pyle at 42 years old or whatever he is go against a guy who stylistically has no business going against. Ranking-wise, there's no need for the two of them to fight each other, and you know what's going to happen, and Mike Pyle gets knocked out horribly bad for no reason. No reason whatsoever. And it's the same thing for BJ Penn. There's just no need for it like it's one thing if bj penn comes back and he fights a ryan hall and he wins and then he fights somebody else and he wins and he's and he's into that groove and he's winning and he's winning and then it's like hey man you're on a two three fight win streak you and this rodriguez guy are gonna fight let's see what happens and there's there's like a reason for the two of them to fight there you know what i mean like there's there's you can see that BJ is competitive. You can see that there's we have to figure out who the best between you is. Like like when when Roy McDonald fought Robbie Lawler, maybe you could have said ahead of time, oh Robbie Lawler's gonna punch his face in and Roy's gonna punch Lawler's face in. But nobody really knew. But you're talking about two people at the very top of the division who had to fight each other. You got a crazy war that people where they took damage that you know, is an unfortunate part of the sport, but you're at, you're the top two people at the mountain. When you've got uh, a guy who's ranked number 10 and then another guy who's older coming off a three-year layoff needs a tune-up fight or needs to fight somebody like a Dennis Seaver or Cole Miller that's been around for a while, a Gray Maynard that's been for a while, around for a while, or someone who just stylistically isn't going to break his face like a Ryan Hall or, or whoever, if Kawajiri was still in the UFC, that would have been an awesome fight, right? And there, there's just, there's so many better ways to handle your legend, your Hall of Famer. Like, you don't, you don't build a star like Rodriguez on the back of someone like BJ Penn. You use and cultivate someone like BJ Penn the right way and you would get far better results. I don't know who is responsible for, for that from the UFC, from the promotion, to whoever made that matchup, or it's BJ Penn's managers or whoever. It's total garbage. And I'm not saying I don't need to insinuate that Greg Jackson and them just took BJ Penn in because they would get paid a lot or whatever it is. Cause I really don't think that was true. I think they had the best interest in him. And I think they probably, uh, provided him with a lot of improvement that we didn't get to see because he got matched up in a po against an opponent that you wouldn't have been able to get to see it. I mean, BJ Penn could have, could uh, last night been better than the BJ Penn that fought Diego Sanchez and we would never know because of the matchup. Which, there's again, there's just no reason for it. With Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez, 
Ronda Rousey could have been an absolute killer that night and then just got caught and slipped on a banana peel and just had an off night. We don't know because it only lasted 45 seconds. But in Ronda Rousey's case, no matter what, whether it was uh, just a bad night or a gigantic gap in skill, there's no no one else that she was that she could get paired up against other than Amanda Nunez because like the Roy McDonald and Robbie Lawler situation, it's the two best have to fight each other and you know sometimes people get uh, their brains scrambled. But this BJ Penn Rodriguez fight was just uh, it was just unfortunate as a fan. Uh, of BJ as a fan of the UFC as a fan of the sport you start to see these kind of fights and you could say what you want about Ryzen and Pride and the crazy fights that they put on and everything else but you look at the UFC and it's just every once in a while they'll do a fight like this and it's clear as day what's going to happen and you can cling on to like oh but what if what if BJ won what if he won what if what if he he did this and looked amazing. That would have been awesome. It really would have been. But it's not the first fight you put him in against after retiring twice and three-year layoff. He was supposed to come back a year ago. Just this one fight took a whole year to materialize. And then you got to listen to Kenny Florian and, and people just talk down about him. Uh, in an incredibly disappointing way because, like I said, it was a match that he wasn't going to win. It's a match that he didn't have to have. And it's like he's being punished for it. And I just, it's not even remotely fair. So that's all disappointing. It's really all I have to say. I spent like 10 minutes just talking about BJ Penn and, and Rodriguez, and that's fine. Um, next card is... Uh, Shevchenko and Pena, that should be good. We'll talk about it before it happens. Stay awesome.